Welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. This is Melissa Santos with Community Solutions. And uh, I'm excited about this series that we're doing, which is it's called Rethinking the Basic Needs. And uh, when, we, when we think basic needs, traditionally, Maslow's hierarchy, food, clothing, shelter was kind of at the bottom. And now what we really know through trauma and resilience and the brain is those things are certainly important, but staying hydrated, connection to meaningful connections to people in the community, good sleep, uh, meditation and mindfulness, all those things are just as, uh, as important to us and our basic needs. And so we came across, we, we thought about food. And when thinking about food, I think of Chef Mark Segovia, who's with me today. Mark and I met, um, we actually crossed paths quite a bit in our local community here in Gilroy, California. And then uh, Mark had me on as a guest uh, of his cooking show that he did through the Neon Exchange uh, during quarantine. And that experience and that conversation, we just kind of began sharing about our stories. And I knew that Mark was something special. And um, and even, Chef, I'll say, even the way that you went about, we were, you know, we recorded the meal. And typically on those kinds of things, you record the meal and then you're done. But it wasn't done. We were off camera and immediately a family-style table was set and everyone that was in the building was invited to come sit around and, and share the meal with us. And I thought, there's something here. So let me just tell you a little bit about Chef Mark. Uh, he is from Gilroy. He'll talk to you about sort of how, how what his where his travels have taken him and how he's back in his hometown. He's a graduate from Le Cordon Bleu. He's been the owner and opener and manager and all the things of many restaurants throughout the years. And then sort of left that career, came back home, started, well, he's still cooking, uh, started Segovia's catering, and is also the director of youth workforce development at Carry the Vision, where he's supporting youth and their families who are looking for a path towards their their better life. Um, so, Mark, thanks for being here with me. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited and, uh, of course, always nervous, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We, you and I know how to talk to each other. Yes, we know how to definitely. talk. That's all we got to do. Well, <laughs> Chef, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yes, definitely. And, uh <clears throat> I started when I was, you know, as a young kid, I grew up here in Gilroy, you know, went to Rutgers school. I grew up, uh, my family were migrant workers. So I was always around food, always around food, you know, and I, and I always treasured that. You always have fresh food and you pick it fresh and, and you just, I was always around it. So I, that was my first introduction to really knowing food and where it came from, you know, and, uh, growing up, you know, um, growing up in Gilroy as, as a teenager, started getting involved in, in, and um, it involved in a lot of, you know, street activity, gangs, hanging around with the wrong people. And um, actually not the wrong people. I take full responsibility. It was yeah, a yeah. bad choice, you know, and I made the wrong choices. And I uh, was dabbling in drugs, you know, and really not too hard. But I was very spiraling out of control. And uh, I got married at 18, very young, you know. And, uh, and there was a point where... My father was alive at the time, and I was at the crossroads of my life. They said, you need to move or else you're going to end up dead or in prison the rest of your life. And at 18, with no high school education, no job education, no job experience, uh, really nothing, just nothing. And I made the move, and I made the move, and I had to grow up really quick. Yeah. Really quick. 
you know, I had nobody to really call to say, hey, I need 50 bucks or. Right. Because it was just you and your, you were both teens, right? Yeah. You and your wife. Yeah. Me and my wife went out there with a couple of dollars in our pocket, you know, and yeah. it started life and started life, you know, with the support of family out there. And it really started our lives out. And, and with that, you know, um, with loving food, I ended up going to uh, La Cordon Bleu. I uh, got accepted to La Cordon Bleu. I uh, worked for Whole Foods at the time. They really supported me and paid for a lot of my schooling. And then I uh, opened many restaurants in Texas, uh, uh, worked in many different kitchens, mentored a lot of different people, and was really blessed. had a great life. And then we moved to Oregon for a little bit. I ended up getting a divorce and then moving back to California for a quick stint and then moving back to Texas to be with my daughter and and eventually I'm take, uh, having full support of my do- full custody of my daughter. So here I am with uh, trying to be a chef and a full time dad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> little yeah. girl, oh my God. Yeah. You know? And but uh, but there were some very tough times, but we did it. We did it together. We figured it out. Moved back to Gilroy ten years ago. Really was uh, with. Um, a hunger, a different hunger. So weird. I'm a chef and with a different hunger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The play on words. And uh, I knew I needed to cook. It was my survival to really pay my bills. And I ended up working for Apple computers. Uh, we ended up working for Google. Uh, I was their catering chef there working for, you know, I would cook for Sindar, the CEO and uh, meet many world leaders and movie stars and, you know, I'll be cooking for them, and I always wonder, how the heck did I get here? Mm. How the heck did I get here sitting between some of the wealthiest people in the world? And something always stood out, and I said, why aren't they saving the world? Because if I had that kind of mm. money, if I had that kind of money, I would, you know, and mm. maybe that's why I don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to help everybody, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, it always, and I, and I, that hunger just kept coming back where, where cooking wasn't filling, wasn't filling that, that hunger, and it was to serve, serve others. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was still cooking, but it was a, it was a recipe for life, mm-hmm. a recipe for success, a recipe for empathy. It was a recipe for, for love, you know, to give others, you know, and, and my life story and my experience in life, I, and, and there's always power in the stories. That's mm-hmm. where the power comes from because it allows others, it gives others permission to, to embrace their power when they mm-hmm. say, oh, if he did it, I could do it. Yeah. You know, uh, so, so what I did was I I met Shelly Swan. I was mm-hmm. doing a cooking class for her during COVID for her kids, and uh, she asked me, "What do you want to do in life? What do you want? No barriers. What do you want?" And I told her I want to work with youth. And two months later, I was the coordinator for the Restorative Justice Diversion Program. Mm-hmm. I worked with the district attorney's office, police departments, school districts, uh, multiple. Uh, of nonprofits, Community Solutions, one of them. Mm-hmm. I worked, with, I worked uh, directly with Saul, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing, you know, and uh, we need more Saul's in the world. That's a true story. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do the, I do the rock star. But, uh, you know, then uh, and the doors just open, open so wide, you know, because I, I stepped in faith. I stepped in, in, in good faith. I stepped in wholenessness. And uh, and here we are, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm director of uh, – Youth workforce development, designing programs for youth, um, working, still working with my catering business. I'm a uh, new grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. I have a little, uh, baby daughter, Isabella, a granddaughter, Isabella, and uh, engaged. And life is great. Life is yeah. great. And uh, and we're here now. And and, and I just 
It's just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When you, um, because part of what I'm, when I think about, you know, food as a basic need, we often are thinking about what we were taught, right? Like the five food groups and portion control and all those kinds of things. And that, you know, that's nutrition is an element of things, certainly that is important for our bodies and brains, but your story around food and how it fed you was really around sharing meals around your grandmother's table that created this sense of connection and safety, even when you were struggling in other areas of, of your life. Tell us about those, yes, yeah, how that created safety. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, uh, it really came to light. You know, I've always knew that was something special. Um, but really when, when now doing the work I do, I even see how more important that was, how, how it really was our, our, our glue for the, for the mm-hmm. family where, well, we had connections at, at, at my grandma's house. You know, she's making tortillas all day, cooking all these wonderful meals all day. And you just go there and sit down and eat, talk. Mm-hmm. A family gets together and talk and figure out problems, solution, and come up with solutions. Uh, you know, people giving each other rides. Uh, kids need to go to school here and there. Or I'm behind on my bills. We all chip in and help each other out and uh, share food. One family might be struggling to share with each other. Mm-hmm. That table was was a, a refuge for not only myself for my whole family. Mm-hmm. My whole family. Now that I see it, you know, I go back and envision it and 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 play it back in my in my memories. It was it was our safe place for our whole family because it built it built connection, which as humans we need that connection so know, badly. And it built it kept that connection within our family within our community, and it is it was something that. Uh, I think every family needs and wants mm-hmm. uh, just getting to that part of, you know, everyone's working two, three jobs now. Everyone's busy. Can we wait? But yep. you got to make the time. We yep. made the time every morning to be there, have coffee, have juice, you know, see, you know, my grandma, you know, killing the chicken for soup at night, you know, and yep. Yep. The real stuff, you know, and, and that just built connection. We, 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 it's something that I've always loved and it, it, it made me think deeper about food, not only food for, to keep us full, but food to, to build a, a community and build connection. And I just, I find it, it, it is so important. And there's, there's tons of research around kids, families who share meals together and that, but the outcomes, you know, less likely to drink, less likely to use drugs. Why? Cause pe- because people are reaching out and saying, how was your day? Make sure you, how can I help you? But, and so I think it's such an important message, and I know it's one that you're sharing, that even if there's so much struggle going on, even if we're not feeling connected to our kids or our youth or we're not sure how to connect with them, if all we do this week is say, hey, Wednesday night, there's going to be a meal I would love for you to join. I don't know what I, I don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know what to do, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm going to provide a space for that safety. It goes such a long way. And Sunday, I, I I, I have Sunday dinner at my house I, and uh, I made, I made sauce yesterday, marinara sauce. I don't have to say that in my world, <laughs> sauce and bowls. And it was, it's so, it was interesting. I, I it cooked all day. I hadn't made it in a while. It's been so hot this summer and they all came. Everybody kind of left during the day. And then I even had cousins that went to foodie land or whatever over the weekend. And they, oh, yeah. they, they still came home. They said, we made sure we came home hungry because we knew that you were making sauce and we'd be around the table it's like um, the old saying build it and they will come cook it's it a and true, they will come. Yeah. yeah yeah and i just find it so powerful that even again even though you were struggling maybe your grandmother wasn't even 
agreeing with all the decisions that you were making, she's still, you were welcome at her table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She would sneak you, you know, the $5 bill over here. Yep. That's some money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. When we talked, you talked about food being your therapy. When did food and the creation of an experience around food become your therapy? Well, you know, even even when I moved to Texas, leaving, leaving the, you know, um, moving away from the wrong decisions I was making, I could have easily made wrong decisions in Texas also. Mm-hmm. But I was at a at a, a crossroads in my life where I had to choose to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. It was hard because it was like rewiring the brain. Oh, yeah, know, because all I knew was how to how to survive, and I was no longer. I was still on like we'll call it like half survival, half living, you know, where that survival part always wanted to kick in and, and do mischievous things or do this or that. Where I had to really put that in check because I was married and and I was trying to do good for for myself. And you know, when I turned twenty one, I had my daughter, so I, there was a whole other element to it where I had mm-hmm. to. Well, and 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 even you know when the bills are late and we might get evicted, you know, because you know we, we were going through some hard times. We were young, didn't mm-hmm. know how to manage our money, didn't know how to pay bills. Really, you know, we had never had that support or or someone to show us how to do that. We had to learn from the get go by ourselves. And you know, and the only thing I could control in my life was my food. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could control was when I would go cook. It was. I knew I could control this, and that was my therapy. Mm-hmm. It, it was I'm in control here. Mm. The rest of the world is playing going crazy. The yeah. rest of the world at home is going crazy, at at you know other parts, but that part really kept me sane and really helped me breathe. I use my breathing techniques, you know, uh, breathe and just cook and just cook because mm. I was in charge. I was mm-hmm. in charge of it, and I was able to do whatever I wanted to do, and I was still in charge. And uh, and that really supported me in knowing that what well, cooking and food was actually doing for me. Besides mm-hmm. me fed and not hungry, but it was a whole different different kind of support it was doing for me. And it was that therapeutic side. As I matured and got older, I really realized what it was doing because I had no idea at that point. I just knew this felt good. Yeah. Felt good. And I want to keep doing this. You know, and I always loved cooking. But also there was that element of where I got into cooking just as a survival. Yeah. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. I had I had no education. I had to go get my GED, you know, to get into Cordon Bleu. That was hard. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to give everything up. You know, I was like, oh, then I'm not going to go there. If they want that, forget it. But no, you have to go get it, you know. And I had to make that decision to go get it. And, and it all paid off at the end, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't think you had to. You chose to, and it's no easy feat to get into Cordon Bleu. That's that's you know, there's there's talent there too. And I I like how you brought in that mindfulness of of breathing while you're cooking, but also cooking causes you to be so present because if you're not present, you burn it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believe me, I have a lot of cuts. I'll show you, <laughs> right? Or you cut, or you cut. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something, Chef, and I'm curious how you see the difference between survival and living. Yes, what do you see as the difference? Oh, you know, for me, it's, it's it's a huge difference. My survival instincts and the way I live during survival are are very impulsive, very mm-hmm. impulsive. It's an impulsive world where I just need to get my gratification, whatever it is, if it's fighting, skilling, cheating, drinking, drugs, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. 
uh, even the, the wrong thoughts or, you know, or just really just my survival was just like, I got to survive for me. I got to mm -hmm. F the world. I got to do this mm -hmm. and just survive. And there's, it was just all impulse, all impulse. There wasn't no thinking behind it. When I started living, there was more, wait a minute. I have mm. consequences here. Mm. I, I can't do that. Why not ask for support? Why not ask for help? Communicate, talk with somebody, um, seek the help. It's there. Uh, I see a therapist once a week. That was. I wish I would have done this since I was twelve years old. Yeah. You know, I think everyone should have a free therapist. And it's same. Why not? Yep. You know, that should be like a law. You get a free therapist. Boom. You know how much problems that would solve. You know, and and when I started living, I lived started not living for myself only, but for others. Mm -hmm. Making those choices to support my community, to support our youth. Support adults, support my family, because I was getting the support. And and when you're in that living stage, you're no no longer you're no longer like in the, like like shell shocked. You're no longer mm -hmm. impulses where you're just not make thinking of the outcome. You're just doing it. So and and that was a big change for myself is really getting rid of that criminal mind. Well, it really wasn't a criminal mind. It was just survival. It was a survival mind from a trauma. It's mind. that trauma response of yeah. that fight or flight. Right, you and yeah, and when we were kids, you know, my parents. I had wonderful parents. I still have my mom. You know, um, they never did drugs. They never drank. They weren't in gangs, but they had issues like every family. And sometimes we had to go live in hotel rooms where, because mm -hmm. we're just financially couldn't make it. You know, and and those were survival times. Were mm -hmm. survival, and and I had to always remember that that my mind. I would leave. I would leave and be in the streets at twelve years old, thirteen years old, in the rain, because I didn't want to go go home because it was just mayhem, and, mm. and I was just surviving. I was just, yeah. surviving. you know, instead of going to school, if I was living, I'd go to school. And say I need help. Yeah, I want yeah. to talk to somebody. I'm going through this in my life. You know, at that age, I didn't know no better. Yeah, um, but now, as as, as this Mark can drive the car that the young Mark couldn't drive. Yeah, and. And I'm able to do it, and I don't blame nobody. I, I, I it was choices we made, and, and I just move forward. Now you're going to find those young marks at those 12 and 13 year olds, and saying, "Hey, there's a, there's a, there's someone here for you." Exactly, because right? I think that's an important piece. And I'm struck by the fact that you, just hearing you speak right now, that you're you as humans, we all were, but always seeking connection, and connection and community is so important to you. And when you're in survival, when you were in survival mode that community and connection came through the, through gangs and others who were, that's still, it, you know, that, that's what that is. It's a desire for connection. Well, that's that whole saying, nobody goes to join a gang. They're running from something, you know? Right. Right. And then and, and my part really wasn't a, uh, I would say a gang. It was just a bunch of guys hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Dumb, dumb stuff and the choices we made, you know? But a connection, a group of people that you felt accepted by, and now when you're living rather than surviving, you're still doing that, but you're doing it with people who are really reflecting the life that you want for yourself and others. Exactly. Yeah. And even it's weird at times, you know, and, uh, I could sit by myself in my backyard and just be alone. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's taken many years to get there. Yeah. Be alone in my own thoughts, you know, and, and enjoy my own time. And uh, yeah. it's taken me, I'm 48 now. It's taken me this long to get here. Yeah you know, and to really enjoy myself. Yeah. Just alone with yourself and have yeah. that be a safe, happy, content oh, place. Yeah. 
instead of yeah. saying, okay, I need to go hang out with guys. I, I need to go drink a beer. I need to do something. I need to get out of here. Instead of Escape. trying to run, yeah. I just could like, you know what? Enjoy myself. Yeah. You also mentioned food as this universal pathway towards connection. Talk about that. Yes. When I was, when I was in kitchens, I've ran kitchens where there's, you know, 300 cooks and they're all young guys, you know, in the kitchen, they all come from rough paths and in the restaurant business, you're going to find a lot of ex gang members, mm-hmm. ex uh, felons, ex prisoners, ex drug addicts, alcoholics, pill poppers, meth addicts, every walk of life. But because there's such high turnover in the restaurant world, we always, that's a warm body. You bring them in. Yep. And, it's like a pirate ship, you know, and we all, we're all pirates. Mm. And, and when I started talking to all these youth, 95% of them never had a father, you know. Mm. And, and here I am trying to be their chef, but also their mentor, the only guy that ever, the only male figure that ever really told them something, disciplined them or really put them to the test. And they were like, what the heck? You don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I do. I'm your boss. You like it? Yeah. Home, you know. But anyways, and and when I started and I remember this one kid, he was doing wonderful, wonderful. And I told him, hey, you're doing amazing. I'm going to give you a raise. I'm moving you up. Uh, you're doing awesome. I'm proud of you. He stopped showing up to work. He's, he didn't even call in. He just disappeared. And I go, what the heck? He was doing amazing. What happened yeah. here? So he finally, I made contact. I went to his house and I talked to him. I said, hey, what's going on, man? What happened? He goes, you know what? Nobody's ever told me that. Mm. He goes, I'm so used to being a failure that when success is coming, I, I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And that just shook my whole world. I was like, wow. Like, not only am I playing, doing the chef role here, but there's a whole different role I'm playing. Much deeper. Where, where food is a connection. We all have stories around food. Like, I could tell you, well, what did your family cook? Working with adults and youth, working with humans in general, when you're in a group setting or one-on-one, you bring up food and they have their story. You see them light up, the smells, mm-hmm. the memories around it. To bring, to come together and share, oh, my grandma used to cook this. My aunt used to cook. We cook this. And what do you cook? Oh, and then we start talking about food and sharing. Let's cook something. And, and the doors open up. The walls come down. Mm-hmm. That's when the real work starts. Yeah. When, when those, they're no longer, that survival mode is out of the way. And you're able to work with them on that one-on-one basis. Yeah, it's safety. They're able to trust. That example is such a great example of what we talk in our trauma-informed work of of not assuming that something wrong with somebody, but but really listening to see what's going on with them. Because that kid, you could have easily been like, okay, next, and hire the next person in. But instead of saying, what the heck's wrong with this kid? It was like, hey, what's going on with you? And just learning that. He probably came back to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And now he's running restaurants in Texas. Actually, he went to the Navy He's doing amazing. Saved his whole life. Yeah, Saved yeah. His life. He sends me a picture of him and his fiance. Married. Uh, we're still in contact. The good young man. He ended up changing his whole life because of that interaction. Yeah. And it wasn't me. It was just. It was. I always. I always look at myself as a conduit. Yeah. I'm just somebody here to send a message. You know, yeah. and because I got to always keep that ego in check. Mm-hmm. All the time. All yeah. The time. So. Chef, at the end of each uh, episode, I always ask people to share with me how they would define resilience. You know, and, and uh, I was thinking about that. You know, there's so many different ways you could go with this. It's, you know, you know, for me, for for when I think of resilience, because I've been doing this my whole life, is 
be resilient and I never knew it. Mm. I always think of like like the jack in the box. Remember that old jack in the box? Like, yeah, I do. You know, you got to push it down, but it still wants to come out. You can't stop it. You're not going to stop it. It's, you know, you know, to, to always move forward, always move forward, you know, keep pushing, uh, never give up, you know. And um, there's many times in my, my life where I could have given up easily. I've been homeless three times, you know. Mm-hmm. But I last 10 years ago, I moved here with five, five dollars in my pocket, homeless 10 years ago, because I had a dream of supporting my community. And I, I went on that dream and I came here 10 years ago homeless hmm. <laughs> excuse me yeah um, five dollars in my pocket no job i had a degree but i still had no job i'm um, trying to mm-hmm. figure out my world i had to leave my daughter behind to fi- come over here and figure it out but i didn't give up i didn't i uh kept praying i said god why did you send me here <laughs> yeah, why, why did <laughs> i do this sister, my sister opened her doors to me. I stayed with my sister, and one thing led to another. All of a sudden, I was working at Google, and now I'm here. So there's resiliency all in the story right there. Yeah. You know, it's never stop. Keep pushing. There's going to be sunshine at the end, because if you want it, it's there. you got to just keep pushing. Choose to push. Yeah. Choose to push. Mm. You are so inspiring, Chef. So inspiring. And I know you're also incredibly humble. <laughs> And so I know you don't, you don't do this to, to boast and that you do it to share. Um, you were talking about your recent experience going down and visiting Southern California. Yes. Tell me it, a little bit about what you, what oh my was, God, you talk yeah. about, uh, you talk about just amazing work that's happening out there with homeboy industries. Yeah. Uh, Father Greg Boyle, which he'll be here on the 28th in San Francisco. And we're going to go see him. But to, to tour that place and witness what's going on out there, they're in the, one of the roughest neighborhoods in East L.A., surrounded by five of the toughest, biggest gangs. And these, mm-hmm. guys, right, these guys, homeboy industries are right in the middle, shining, shining, supporting humans. And that really that really changed my whole the way I, I look at at. at the way we I work with people, the way I work with humans, I always say humans because I don't identify youth or adults. I just right. That's right. That's what it is. It's people. human to human so, connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. But the most important thing I got out of it was share the stories. How important they are to everyone, all of us, to share our stories, no matter how old you are, no matter what's going on in your life. Share the story because it gives others power. They're sharing mm-hmm. power. They're spreading the light. And and when you do that, you know, it I, I learned so much there and just the, how how wonderful transformation is in people's lives and to see it and witness it and to just to communicate and share the stories. That's that's one thing that I just came back with that was so strong with me is you know, meet people where they're at and share the stories. Yeah. Share the story. You know, and just and it was a, a remarkable and I, I'm blessed. I feel blessed that Carry Division sent us out there, and because I learned so much, I can bring back to our community. Yep. And make it a, a better place to live. Yeah, that's what I. The whole point of. I mean, I I didn't you know say one day. Oh, I I would like to have a podcast. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. I love Oprah, and I'd love I'd love to have a career path. But uh, and I love a microphone. But the real thing was this idea of telling stories and. And not just, it started with our board members and saying, 
you know, you are our donors, our board members who may have more that these in particular had more privilege in life and felt like they weren't sharing their story. But I thought there's a reason why you're drawn to support organizations like community solutions, because everybody has a story. And, and as long as we can come from a place where we're admitting the privilege and the difference between how we got here, but, but also what as humans, what's common amongst all of us is we go through difficulties. Oh yes, definitely. We have historical and cultural traumas that, that follow us. And yet, as you were saying, you know, our ancestors, when we go back, this is what they did. They shared stories around the, that's how they taught. That's how they taught the generations to follow. And somewhere along the line, we, especially in our country and our society, got, got shameful about our stories and felt like we couldn't share, share the, when we made bad, bad decisions that somehow we were supposed to keep those things a secret. And I think it's, it's such a disservice because those are the things that help us grow, help us connect to one another. So I just appreciate that this is, that you're so willing to share your inspiring story. Well, thank you. You know, and, and, and you're absolutely right. It was just, you know, there's a lot of us that have great stories. We're just, you know, embarrassed or uh, they haven't got to that point where they feel comfortable enough to share their stories, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes us sharing our stories to give them more power to share their story. Yep. They're saying, well, if he's sharing and, he did all that bad stuff. Oh my God. I'm an angel compared to that guy. I could, <laughs> my, my, my story is going to be a lot easier and share it, you know, or it could be worse or whatever it is. There is no worse or better. It's just a story. There's it, just life. Yeah. It gives people uh, permission and it gives them, yeah. uh, help them to say, you know what? I went through a lot of the same stuff. I want to share my story. Cause you never know who's listening and you know, it could change somebody's life just by one word. Yeah. So tell us, thanks for being here. Tell us where people can find you. Do you have a website? How can yes, they learn yes, more about Carry go, the Vision? Yeah, yeah, carrythevision.org. Um, you go on there and see what we do. You know, there's a lot of stuff we do. I'm working with uh, uh, some youth right now. We're, come, we're They're actually, the youth are developing a, uh, our youth program because we always, we here at Carry the Vision, the way we work is how are we going to, as adults, going to develop a youth program without the voice of the youth? That's right. And actually, we're just facilitating it. The youth are the ones coming up with it. And and each day is going to be it's going to be an eight week program. So and it's going to do be doing life and business skills, uh, meditation. We're going to be doing cooking classes, a lot of the cool stuff. And uh, that is cool. But also, not only that, we're going to be uh, showing the money management, how to open a bank account, uh, just a bunch of different stuff. So. CarryTheVision.org, also uh, my catering is SegoviasCatering.com, Instagram, SegoviasCatering.com, Facebook, SegoviasCatering.com. Check us out, and uh, if you want to have any questions on Carry the Vision, come on in and sit with us, and we'll show you what's going on. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Chef. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Pathways to Resilience is brought to you by Community Solutions, a nonprofit organization in Santa Clara County, California. To learn more about our services and our CS Learning Training Institute, visit us at www.communitysolutions.org. Thanks for listening. And if you liked us, please feel free to subscribe or give us a review. That way.
Yeah.